0: God is about a great work, and he wants to do uh, more this morning. Uh, I hope you've all been enjoying the Luke series so far. Have you been enjoying the Luke series? Good. Um, <coughs> great waves of enthusiasm swept through the room. Um, good, it has been really good. But we're just going to take a, a, a two-week break, actually, on the Luke series. Um, next week, we've got Paul Mann coming to speak to us. Um, who He leads the... King's Church in Hastings. He kind of has uh, input into us from a kind of New Ground side. New Ground is a family of churches that we are part of um, and he's coming to speak to us so that will be good. But this week uh, we are looking at the topic of baptism and the Holy Spirit. We're doing that because in the four o'clock uh, service we did a kind of mini series on the Holy Spirit and this is part two. Adam did part one at our last 4 o'clock service on who is the Holy Spirit. If you didn't hear that, check that out online. Go go to our website and listen to that. That was very good. Uh, we just feel this is a really important topic, so we're just going to do it over both services today. Um, So, when Adam started last time looking at who is the Holy Spirit, he talked about the Holy Spirit not being this kind of weird, scary force that comes in. We can often, when people might talk about the Holy Spirit, it can be uh, relayed as kind of like the force. You know, like when they talk about it in Star Wars, it's the force. The force is with you. No, it's not like that. The Holy Spirit is a person. This is what Adam said last time He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, and if he is a person, he is someone that you can relate to. He, the Holy Spirit, is, of course, part of the Trinity as well. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, Just before I move um, it's often a topic that we come up against uh, in alpha, and people find it very confusing. Um, and sometimes uh, we can jump into kind of illustrations about, uh, it's the egg, it's kind of three parts, but it's all one. But actually, we need to have a definition first before we kind of go to an illustration. So I'm just going to try my best to give a quick definition. There are probably other definitions and people might describe it better, um, but if you've been on Alpha recently, this is kind of how we've tried to describe it. So the Trinity, the triune God, is one in being, but three in person. One in being, three in person. And you might think that's a contradiction, but a contradiction would be if he's one in being and three in being, or one in person or three in person. So... What is the difference between a being and a person? I hear you cry. Well, a being is that quality that makes you what you are. And a person makes you whom you are. A being is that quality that makes you what you are, and a person makes you whom you are. See, what I am, in case you are confused, is a human being. In case that was up for some debate. But who I am is Ian Lettington. What I am is some muscles, not many these days, bones, (laughs) tendons, etc. But that's not who I am. Who I am is a kind, caring, loving, and extremely funny person, as my wife will tell you. (laughs) Just ask my wife on a good day. Um, So who I am and what I am is very different. Humans are one being and one person. But God is very different. God is one being and three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Three persons, all equal, existing from the beginning, because they are all God. Uh, People can sometimes try to argue against the Trinity and use verses like, well, Jesus said, the Father is greater than I. So just a, a little analogy, really, to help us with that. The Queen, Queen Elizabeth, is greater than I am. I know that's hard to believe. I can tell because she rolls with the crowd, she goes with the posse, she's in horse-drawn carriages, she's been the longest-standing monarch in our history, but is she any more human than I am? No. She is greater than me in role, but not in essence. And in the same way, the father is superior to the son in terms of role. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the son being subjected to him so that he, the father, may be all in all. But he isn't any less God, and they are all equal and the same in essence. We see throughout... Scripture, God referring to himself in the plural, right from the beginning. In Genesis, we see throughout Scripture, God referring to himself and appearing in different personhood, and sometimes at the same time, like at Jesus' baptism. So I hope that helps. I'm just going to move on from that. Now, Adam also talked about how do we get to know the Holy Spirit, not resist him or ignore him, and that's what we are looking at. What I want to look at today is... Um, what we're talking about when we say baptism in the Spirit is rooted in Scripture. This isn't something that was just kind of made up in the last 100 or 200 years by the Pentecostals, but this is something that is rooted in this book. I don't just want to give information today either. We want to impart something as well. We want to pray. There's a difference between information and impartation. This is a wonderful promise to all who are his children it's a wonderful gift freely bestowed on us it's not kind of as we uh, reach a certain stage or when we're mature enough but it is for all of us who want to receive it's based upon sonship if you're a child of God then you qualify to receive the Holy Spirit the first time the Holy Spirit moves upon us is in for salvation um, as a Christian, it kind of awakens us to who Jesus is, awakens our need for repentance. But then there is a second separate time when the Spirit comes upon us for a baptism in the Holy Spirit, gives us power to enable us. You might not have been conscious of it at salvation when the Holy Spirit came in you, within you, but the second time you really will be. Um, you mustn't dismiss this either because of your own lack of experience. I think that's what I did at the beginning when I was a, uh, first became a Christian. I thought, well, it all looks great for everybody else, but this hasn't happened for me, so I'm just not sure about it. No, we mustn't dismiss it because of our own lack of experience. I urge you to look at Scripture. What does the Bible say about this? Whatever we experience must be based in Scripture. And when we come into the book of Acts at Pentecost... The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is one of those big moments of Scripture. You know, when we see some of the big moments, the big chapters throughout Scripture, we see like Moses and the burning bush, or when he was crossing the Red Sea, Elijah at the altar with the prophets of Baal. Always in Scripture with these big moments, always when these big moments of Scripture happen, it's always supernatural. Because God is a supernatural God. And when we try to avoid supernatural stuff in the Bible, uh, or we try to avoid it in Christianity, we cut out massive parts. Probably from there to there, we cut out of the Bible. Whenever God breaks in, it is in a supernatural way. Christianity, the church, isn't supposed to be a place where you just gain knowledge and information and work out that you're saved. It's about the visitation of God. It's about encountering him. God loves his creation and he wants to intervene into his world and into your life. When we see in Acts 2, one of the big verses, the promise finally comes. John the Baptist, we've heard in recent weeks from uh, the Luke series, pointed towards Jesus. And he said, I've remembered, Reuben, this is my first. There we go, see I always forget, you have to remember. John the Baptist says this, John answered all saying, I baptise you with water, but he, that's Jesus, who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He, Jesus, will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus came, the one who the Old Testament writers were pointing to, the coming Messiah would be a descendant of David. He would be outstandingly anointed above all others, as the Lord's anointed, he would receive the Spirit without measure. Not only would he be anointed with the Spirit, but he would also usher in the age of the Spirit. Isaiah anticipated a time when the Spirit, he says in Isaiah thirty-two fifteen, the Spirit would be poured upon us from on high. The Spirit would be poured upon us from on high. Later on, God himself declares, For I will pour water on a thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. It's a promise. Until this moment, this moment we're going to look at in a moment in Acts, Adam said last time round the Old Testament experience of the spirit was res- restricted to particular people at particular times people like Moses Gideon Samson the prophets priests kings all had been temporary and the day of pentecost was the moment the take off moment that they had all been waiting for jesus told the disciples to go to jerusalem and wait At Pentecost, the Spirit came, and the Old Testament prophet Joel's prophecy about a widespread outpouring of the Holy Spirit was no longer a future desire, but a present reality. He says this, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. It was for everyone. You Notice it doesn't say, uh, I will pour out my spirit on the apostles and the elders and your worship leaders and connect group leaders will see visions and dream dreams. It doesn't say that, does it? It says all flesh. It was for everyone. So let's read uh, in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Excuse me. This is what John had promised back in Luke. Firstly, that Jesus would take away the sins of the world. There doesn't seem to be a a huge problem with that, that Jesus taking away the sins of the world. But also John said, I I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with spirit and with fire. So if we believe that Jesus takes away our sin, we should also believe that he is the one that gives the gift, the promised Holy Spirit. We see then, after the coming of the Spirit in Acts two, there are many separate occasions when the Spirit came on other believers after they had accepted uh, Jesus as Lord. This is just want to look at these to just show that this is a kind of secondary thing. Nicky Gumbel talks about um, the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Alpha, but he, he kind of talks about uh, the boiler. And the pilot light in his boiler, he says, you know, the pilot light is on all the time. And that's, you know, as Christians, we like that the pilot light is on, the Holy Spirit. But then there's that moment when the the boiler kicks into life. There's that moment when either the hot water comes on or something. But um, that's that moment of the boiler kicking into life. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes us. So uh, in Acts 8... uh, Being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then they laid hands on them and received. We see later in Acts 10, 45, whilst Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. It says this in um, Acts 10, verse 40, 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptising these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. We see also, we see in Acts 19, Paul meets some other believers. I'm just going to read quite a bit of scripture. Um, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So, A couple of occasions there, at least where the Holy Spirit comes as a secondary experience and people know it's happened. How do they know? Because things start happening, like people start speaking in tongues and prophesying. The Apostle Paul tells us this experience of being filled with the Spirit The experience is this, it's the love of God, God's love for you and for me being poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this is what they were experienced. They experienced God's love for them being poured into their heart. Have you experienced that? Do you feel God's love being poured into your heart? And then it seems there were these physical manifestations because they said look what's happened to them is exactly what's happened to us on the day of pentecost and what happened to them on pentecost where we read it there were tongues of fire the wind of the holy spirit what what does that symbolize it it well fire is like passion purity sometimes when people are filled with the spirit spirit they experience what is like fire within them not literal fire But people often have described it as feeling heat in their hands or in their arms. Uh, And they know it wasn't to do with the temperature in the room. We had amazing experiences um, of the Holy Spirit um, on the recent Alpha course. We prayed for a a guy on a Saturday and he could just feel, he said, heat going through his shoulders as uh, we laid hands on him and prayed for him. And and the, the room was really cold as well on this day you could just feel the heat going through him sometimes it's like wind the Hebrew word for wind is the same as for spirit it's ruach it's like the breath of God coming into a person and sometimes you see it it's almost like fluttering of eyelids or uh, people breathing deeply sometimes it's like somebody being blown over by the wind these are physical manifestations of the Holy Spirit that they experience. And they're, and they're probably experiencing these uh, verses. This, are, this is not what it's all about. It's n- not all about the physical manifestation. It's all about God's love for you. And I'm talking about these manifestations because it's important to mention it. And we, they mention it on Alpha because uh, it's good for you not to be freaked out by it, but actually to come to God and accept what he is trying to do you welcome what God is doing he wants to be in control not to kind of possess you in a weird way but he wants you to experience him Ian Lane always loves to quote that verse taste and see that the Lord is good you can taste this you can experience him it isn't just a head knowledge When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive gifts of the Holy Spirit as well. He gives us good gifts. Jesus said in Matthew, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He wants to give you good gifts. He wants to give you good gifts. If you you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We're just going to have a quick look at some of these gifts. Um, The words will appear on the screen as well. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, this is from 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Next slide, please. individually as he wills this isn't an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts but some that we can get in our teeth into some that we can thirst for paul says in 1 corinthians 14 pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts earnestly desire spiritual gifts we shouldn't be passive about this when we receive spiritual gifts, it's also not for our own good or for our glory that we, or that we can be some sort of spiritual superpower. But it is for the common good, for the building up of the church. Paul urged <coughs> Timothy to fan into flame the gift that is within by the laying on of hands. Speaking in tongues can easily be dismissed as well but I believe this is a gift for today. Not just for the apostles, but this is a gift that goes beyond our own language, our own limitations. We've already seen at Pentecost the disciples speaking in tongues. Paul talks about praising God and giving thanks with our spirits in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. We could spend a whole morning speaking on this. Uh, We don't have loads of time to go through all the details of speaking in tongues. But there are times just when we run out of words uh, that are adequate to express to God. And speaking in tongues goes beyond that. Goes beyond our mental limitations. Offers him an expression of sublime praise from our spirit. We mustn't fear this gift. If you don't speak in tongues, don't fear it. Don't fear that you'll be taken over and not in control. Um, I was just reading up on it this week that people have become fearful of it because there's references to like ecstatic utterances or languages of ecstasy. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32 to 33, the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets and God is not a God of confusion but of peace. God is not a God of confusion but of peace. When I speak in tongues, it brings me peace. It edifies me. We're always in control of our actions and emotions. When we pray by ourselves in tongues, we edify ourselves. We draw closer to him. When we do it publicly, Paul says we should wait for the interpretation. And hopefully you've seen that over recent weeks. That's what we, we do here. If somebody speaks out loud in tongues, we kind of wait for the interpretation. So don't don't be fearful of it. Yeah. I think everybody that has ever spoken in tongues felt like they were making it up. But it's like every language that you learn, um, you just gotta keep going. You just gotta keep trying. It will come. And th- again, <coughs> Nicky Gumbel says on Alpha, Uh, I keep referring to it just because they're so helpful um, when they talk about the Holy Spirit is that there aren't first-class Christians and second-class Christians those who speak in tongues and those that don't that's not that's not how it works if you don't speak in tongues that's okay but Paul urges us to try and speak in tongues he spoke in tongues more than anybody and if it was good for the apostle Paul then I think we should try it don't you So how do we receive this baptism? We ask, we seek, we knock. This is life-changing. When the Holy Spirit comes, he gives us new attitudes, new desires, new ways of worship. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convince you that you are a child of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you don't believe that in your head, the Holy Spirit can come in and convict you of that. We have seen in recent weeks remarkable, amazing workings of the holy spirit in people's lives changing relationships changing lives um it is incredible i would urge you to pursue this this isn't a one-off either a lady recently said um who got saved got filled with the spirit said so i can get this again she got saved and filled on the same day and she said i can come back and get this again i can get filled again we said yeah she said what every day we said yeah and she said for the rest of my life and we said yeah she went wow that's amazing and it is amazing because we can keep coming back when the spirit comes like when samson the spirit came upon him to gave gave him strength to break free from his bindings the holy spirit comes to bring freedom freedom from habits addictions that spiritually bind us the promise that rivers of living water will flow from us Are you flowing? I've got to be honest. It doesn't feel like we're flowing this morning. (laughs) I want to flow. Do you want to flow? Do you want to have rivers of living water flow from us? That's what we should be. We should be an example to the world. Rivers of living water flow from us. Are you ready? Do you want this? The amazing thing is that we can keep coming back. I'm coming back and being filled again and being filled again. When Paul says in Ephesians, he says, we can go on being filled. It's amazing, isn't it? Like this lady, she was, it's amazing. We can keep coming back for this. Daily, come to him and say, fill me again. If you're not convinced by this, if you think, well, I'll give it a shot, then probably nothing will happen. We need to come to him in faith and expect him to come and do something. When we pray, we're already thanking him for what is going to happen because it is a promise. We don't need to beg him because he already promised that he would come. When we pray in a moment, let's position ourselves, not kind of arms folded, head down, Bless me if you can, Lord. (laughs) But let's show him that we're an open book, ready for him to come and meet with us. Moses, when he was asked by God to stick out his hand at the Red Sea, he promised he would divide the sea. Moses might have thought, well, what if I stick out my hand and nothing happens? God wanted to involve him. All he had to do was stick out his hand and ask. All we have to do is stick out our hands and ask him to come. God wants to involve you. Sometimes nothing might happen. You might, or you might just feel completely at peace. That's okay. But he wants to come, he wants to meet with you. Sometimes it's like turning on the tap after the mains have been off. There's a, a dripping and then there's a glugging and then suddenly there's a flow. You, ca- you kind of have to wait sometimes. There's a little drip. <coughs> Don't just go away and think, well, nothing happened. That's it. No, sometimes you have to wait for the flow to come. You have to wait for the rivers of living water to flow. We are not under any pressure to manufacture something. We don't have to pretend. God doesn't need our help. Do you know that? God doesn't need our help. And some might say, well, what if nothing happens? Well, don't worry. It will, because it is a promise. It's a promise in this book. Go on trusting God. It will happen. Keep pursuing him. Don't go away disappointed. Keep asking. You don't have to speak in tongues. Some do, some don't. But you can come to him again and again and again. Thirst for this. If you don't feel thirsty, ask for the thirst. You can do that. Ask for the thirst. Let's come to him and ask. He says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Shall we ask him? First of all, you need to belong to Christ. You need to come to him. And if you haven't come to him, or you feel like you might have wandered off, you can just recommit your life to him today. He wants to come and meet with you. I'm going to pray first that you can give your life to Jesus. You can become a Christian. You can become a child of God because if you're a child of God, this promise is for you. So if you want to do that, you can just pray after me. Lord, thank you that you died for me, that you love me. I'm sorry, I have wandered far from you. Please come and take first place in my life by your Holy Spirit and help me live for you. It says in scripture that those who call on his name, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just come to him. Just ask the band to just come back up for a moment, please. And <clears throat> we're just going to ask you to stand. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And we are just going to wait. We've just been kind of learning and stepping out in this recently. At Alpha, we've just been inviting the Holy Spirit to come, and we're just waiting. I, I like to talk, so I often used to try and fill the space. I felt like I had to help God, but He doesn't need my help. So we're just going to pray. So let's just, as a sign to Him, let's just be open to Him now. I'm going to invite Him in. This is the most ancient of prayers. I'm going to say, "Come, Holy Spirit. You are welcome." In this place, come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Whether it's for the first time or for the second or for a fresh filling, come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait on Him. Just as a sign to Him, just hands out, saying, I want to receive from you today. Come, Holy Spirit. not in any rush. He just wants to pour his love into your heart right now. Do you know you're a child of God? You're loved. You're accepted. Come as you are, he says. Come to me as you are. I accept you. You're mine. Come to me. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Just wait. Fall afresh, Lord. Lord, we pray. Pray let rivers of living water flow from us today. Holy Spirit. we come to worship now just keep pursuing him keep turning on the tap the flow will come and as we're coming to a close and the band are still playing just encourage you if if you want this if you want to be baptized in the holy spirit just urge you to come forward and be prayed for importance of laying on of hands it can happen in different ways but see it's really important about the laying on of hands so if you want to come and receive this just come forward we're all family here doesn't matter just come and be prayed for we want to lay hands on you for you to receive the holy spirit